0: I'm not sure what that loud pop was, but I just want you to know that it just fits with everything else that's going wrong here this morning. So we are grateful that you're here. Sometimes in between our services little demons crawl inside of our uh, technology and we don't even understand why. Uh, So um, we've had all kind of fun things this morning with microphones not working and screens not working and cameras not working. So uh, we are just so thankful that you're here In spite of the fact that we have stumbled our way through all kind of things that haven't gone the way they should have. Thank you so much for being with us. My name is Craig. I'm the senior pastor here. And it is our privilege to have you with us on this July 4th Independence Day weekend. We're so grateful that you have made time to spend with us. Even if it's only because you expected good air conditioning. We don't care why you're here. We're just so grateful that you're with us if uh, you're a guest with us this morning, I'm especially grateful for your time. I would ask you, please, if you never have, to fill out a connection card for us. You can either do that just by tearing it off of the worship folder you were given when you came in, or you can go to our website at www.malvernhill.org/connect, and there you can do that. So whether you're watching at home or you are here with us, we are just so grateful for your time. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the Book of Acts, chapter 17, in just a few minutes actually uh, that's not true acts chapter 21 acts chapter 21 in just a few minutes um, uh, a couple of things just by way of announcement uh, there is a parent meeting at five o'clock for any students who are going to fuge so parents please plan to be there at five o'clock this evening we have a tailgate fellowship so let me explain what that is it's one of those holdovers that we started during COVID and we decided to hang on to it it is the biggest most DIY BYO everything that you've ever had in a church for a churchwide fellowship. So here's the way it works. Uh, we will gather in the lawn sort of field parking area over here this evening around 6. You're responsible for bringing everything. And we don't care what you bring, right? If you want to bring a bucket of chicken for your family, that's great. If you want to bring a whole spread and a grill, that's wonderful. If you want to stop and get a hamburger and eat it on the way here, that is perfectly fine. We just invite you to come. Hang out, Fellowship. The kids will have a great time playing in the field. So you guys come. If you want to do your full-out full, full out, uh, tailgate, that's great. If you just want to come and, uh, and watch the kids play, that's perfectly fine as well. But we just love to have you. Uh, we had such a great uh, response from these when we did them during COVID that we stuck with them and uh, folks continue to show up. So I invite you to come and be a part of that with us. And then finally, it is the 4th of July weekend. And I'm just so grateful that we get to live in a country where we can gather Freely and without fear or concern, such a privilege to know that so many of you who are with us have sacrificed in one way or another so that we might enjoy these freedoms. It's an incredible privilege that we have. We're going to weave some of those, um, some of those things in throughout the sermon today, but uh, I just want to take just a moment to recognize and to remember that on this 4th of July, we do live in a place where we have the freedom to gather, and it's an incredible blessing that we enjoy. Having said all of that, hopefully you've made it to Acts chapter 21. I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's Word, and I'm going to read from verses 17 through 26. When he had come, excuse me, when, let me set the stage. Paul has just arrived in Jerusalem, okay? So Paul and his traveling companions have been making their way there. Uh, we've just arrived in Jerusalem. So verse 17, when we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God, and they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. They are all zealous for the law, and they have been told about you, that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you've come. Do therefore what we tell you, for we have four men who are under a vow. Take these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself also live in observance of the law. But as for the Gentiles who have believed, we sent a letter. Excuse me. We have sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. Then Paul took the men the next day. He purified himself along with them and went into the temple, giving notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled and the offering presented for each one of them. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray this word would come alive to us today. That, Father God, it would just leap off the pages and it would challenge us. Father God, to, like the Apostle Paul, be willing to go a long way to avoid offending others for the sake of clearly communicating the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be with us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Imagine coming home expecting a hero's welcome and instead encountering something else all together. Many of our Vietnam veterans can relate to that. I read recently of one Vietnam veteran whose brother picked him up from Travis Air Force Base in California, and as he got into his brother's truck, his brother said, now there could be some trouble along the way, and he was confused because he had just left Vietnam and he couldn't imagine what trouble he might encounter, and as they left Travis Air Force Base, protesters were gathered outside the gates and screamed and yelled and beat on their vehicle as they traveled. This young man expected to come home to a hero's welcome and instead met protesters at no, a pastor who returned to his hometown and expected upon his arrival, as a matter of fact, he told me, he said, I expected that by going home I would experience a sort of revival in my ministry. I, I expected that when I went home that old friends would just turn up in the droves to the church and instead this man saw no one show up and it was deflating. Hopefully you haven't experienced a letdown like that. But the Apostle Paul certainly did. Remember, he has spent years now going abroad, preaching the good news of the gospel across Asia and Europe, and now he's come home to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was not Paul's home per se, but Jerusalem was the home for all Jews, you understand? It was their their generational home. It was their religious home. And not only was it the home for Jews, it was also the home for the church. This is where the church met. The early Christians were gathered in Jerusalem. So James and the elders of the church still lived there. And it's here that Paul arrives. Now, He's been warned all along the way. If you'll recall, you just looked at it in life group for some of you just a few minutes ago, that Paul was warned that what? That when he got to Jerusalem, he was going to be bound. There were those who said, Paul, don't go because it's going to lead to your death. Paul recognized all along that Jerusalem would ultimately, be, ultimately lead to his demise, but he also anticipated that the path to Rome was through Jerusalem. And Paul knew that God had called him to go to Rome and to carry the good news of the gospel. Paul showed up in Jerusalem, and he did not get a hero's welcome. Instead, he's given words of warning in something of a PR campaign from James. Paul walks in the door, and instead of celebrating, they went, Oh, we have a bit of a problem here, Paul. Outside, things might not be exactly as you anticipate. You see, Paul, the problem is that while you've been off sharing the good news of the gospel, there are thousands of Jews who have come to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. These people have been told, Paul, that you are going out into foreign lands and are just thumbing your nose at Jewish tradition and culture and law. And Paul, what are we going to say to them? Because they're not real excited to see you. Now you understand that in this particular situation, Paul could have just decided that he wasn't going to listen to anything they had to say. He was going to look at them and say, I am Paul. I have been busy about my father's business, and I'm not putting up with any of this craziness that you have. But instead, Paul was willing to put aside many of his own desires and his own privileges. Paul was willing to go a long, long way out of his way to avoid offending others. This morning I ask you, how far are you willing to go to avoid offending others? You see, we know that Paul claimed to be all things to all people. We know that we want to imitate that same logic in our own lives, but maybe we don't fully appreciate what that means. Well, here in this passage of Scripture, we begin to get an idea of exactly how far Paul was willing to go to be all things to all kinds of people so that by all means some may hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here in this passage of Scripture, there are four things that I hope will leap off the pages to you as you consider how it is that you might avoid giving offense to the world around you. The first thing that we've got to be willing to do is to shift our perspective. Shift your perspective. Again, Paul could have shown up and just said, boom, I'm Paul, and that's all you need to know. But instead, Paul showed up and they said, Paul, we have a problem. Well, Paul could have said, well, no, you have a problem. I did that once. It didn't go well, just in case you were curious, right? Um, uh, ask me later, I'll tell you the story. It's excellent, but we won't take in all that time. But if you've ever been in that spot where somebody says, we have a problem, you go, no, 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 you have a problem. Paul could have said, no, we don't have a problem, you have a problem. See, I don't have a problem. I've, I've been busy about the Lord's business. You've got a PR issue. I have got things Dude, Paul didn't do that. Instead, Paul shifted his perspective a little bit. Paul recognized that James's problem was kind of his problem, too, and he was willing to own some of those struggles for himself. And in the midst of that shifting of perspective, Paul was also willing to set his own success aside for the sake of something far larger. He was most concerned with the spread of the gospel. Y'all, we've got to develop a short memory of our successes. We've got to develop a short memory of our successes. If we linger too long on our successes, do you know what it makes us? Prideful, egotistical, arrogant. We gotta have short memories about those things. And, and, and not only do we have to have short memories about them, one of the other reasons we have to have short memories about them is because if we develop long memories about our successes, oftentimes we get stuck on the success of the past and we never experience success in the future. You become that uncle that's still telling the stories about his high school accolades when he's 60 years old. You know, he threw the game, went touched touchdown back in the day, and he hasn't thrown a football in 37 years, but he's still telling that story. Some of y'all are wondering if he ever did anything else. Well, the unfortunate reality is he probably didn't because he never actually moved on from that place. Paul could have spent his whole life living in the successes of his past. But instead, Paul said, I'm not going to be egotistical, I'm not going to brag about that. James said, look, there's a lot of things happening here. And Paul said, all right, well, let's put everything else on the back burner for right now. Let's shift our focus. I'm not going to come in here and tell you about all the things that I've done. We're going to be more interested in all the things that God has for us to do together. We're going to be more interested in all the things that need to be done for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks, one of the things that Paul was able to do in this is he was able to keep singularly focused on the things that God had called him to do. Now, we know that Paul was called to reach the Gentiles, but Paul's greater mission was not just the Gentiles. Paul's greater mission was what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. In this particular situation, when they began to challenge him, Paul could have said, No, God's called me to the Gentiles. I'm not doing this. But instead, Paul said, No, God's called me to the mission. Paul was mission-focused. Folks, we've got to always remember the mission. And the mission is far greater than our preferences and our desires. It's far greater than our comfort. Daniel Boone was once kidnapped by a band of Shawnee Indians. And as a result of that kidnapping, um, well, the the story is actually a little more complicated than that. Daniel Boone was kidnapped, and and in, in the process of being captured, Daniel Boone realized that this group of this band of Shawnee Indians was planning to attack the fort where his family and friends were at at Boonesboro. And as a result of that, Daniel Boone devised a plan to surrender a larger group of men. He gave up their hiding place, essentially. Surrender this larger group of men to this band of Shawnee Indians and to say to them that he would go and help them to to attack Boonesboro later, that he would uh, negotiate a peaceful surrender of this fort to this band of Shawnee Indians. Now, as a result of that, there were many people that questioned Daniel Boone's loyalty to the cause of Kentucky, to the cause of his family and friends. But the reality was that Daniel Boone never, ever stopped being loyal. But instead, Daniel Boone was interested in saving as many lives as possible. And as a result of that, he was willing to be a little bit uncouth, a little bit uncanny, In his process, he was willing to give up his own safety and security with the hopes that perhaps he could secure the safety and security of others. He was mission-focused and was not too concerned with what everybody else had to say about him. Paul was mission-focused. And so when James said, hey, here's the problem. These people are concerned about what you're actually teaching. He could have said, well, these people are misinformed. He could have looked at James and said, James, did you stick up for me? But instead he said, what do we need to do to make this right? Folks, how far are you willing to go to avoid offending others? Paul was less concerned with being right than he was being relevant. We'll come to that in a minute. But look, shift your perspective. Second thing this morning, focus on fellowship. Focus more on the we of ministry than the me of ministry. What if Paul had said, do you know who I am? I'm Paul, right? James said, we've got all this stuff to do. And Paul could have said, we Where's we been when I've been out there shipwrecked? Where's we been when I've been stoned? Where's we been when I've been trying to share this good news in all the hinterlands? Where have the we been? But instead, Paul recognized that the ministry was far larger than Paul. Do you know that the ministry of God in your community, in this community right here, is far larger than you? It's far larger than me. Do you know, it's, it's even far larger than our church. We've got to do all that we can to cling to fellowship with other believers because we need one another if we're going to make a significant impact in our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need help. We've got to focus on all of that. Paul knew he couldn't do it all by himself, and neither can you. Are you willing to do the things that you need to do to avoid offending others so that you can maintain some degree of unity? Some amount of fellowship. Now look, Paul's fellowship, his unity, his, his teamwork right here was, was not easy. Not only was, was he challenged to, uh, to change sort of his, his, uh, his actions. Here's what they said. Look, these people are going to talk bad about you. So to make it better, what you need to do, Paul, is not only do you need to uh, try to correct what they think. We need you to pay For these other four guys who have made a vow, just pay to get them out of it too. Pay off their vow. Take your own vow. And then everybody will say, no, this Paul's not such a bad guy. Y'all listen to me. If you're going to focus on fellowship, you should expect fellowship to require sacrifice. It's going to cost you something. Now, it might cost you money. Okay? It might. It might cost you pride. Sometimes the cost of maintaining a relationship with somebody else is setting your own pride aside. It might cost you comfort. A close friend of fellowship is hospitality. And remember, hospitality is not the same thing as entertaining people in your home. They can be related, but they're not necessarily the same thing. Entertaining people might mean when I throw a party and we, we put on the dog, you know, so to speak. We don't like, actually, because we like our dog, but... Um, but, you know, we, we, we straighten up. We clean everything. Maybe we have the caterer. Uh, you, there's, there's not everything spotless. The yard is well manicured. Everything is just to a T. That's what it would be if I entertain you for a party at my house. We'll do that at Christmas. Every year we, we invite you guys to come to my house at Christmas and do a drop-in. And Let me tell you, Angela makes certain that when all of y'all are invited to drop-in at our house, that everything is in the place that it's supposed to be. That's entertaining and it's great. There's a place for that. Hospitality is different. Hospitality is an open door that says you come on when you need to. Hospitality says we got a place for you. Hospitality is costly in a different way because you're never going to find the dirty clothes when you come to my house when we're entertaining you for a party because they don't exist. We've shipped them off somewhere so that you can't find them. But if you show up unannounced, you might find a mountain of unfolded laundry in a chair in our den just waiting for some poor, hapless child to wander by and be given that responsibility. If you walk into our home this afternoon, who knows? There might be be dishes in the sink. There could be a sock in the middle of the floor. The cost of hospitality sometimes is the cost of your own comfort, but it's also the cost of, of people actually getting to see who you really are. There's a price that comes with fellowship. The price is going to be different for everybody, and it's, it's going to be different at different times. For Paul, the price was, was financial. He's, he's paying for these guys. But there was also just the, the price of Paul setting aside some of his desires and preferences, even some of his rights and privileges, for the sake of maintaining unity with brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the challenges for us as we consider how uncomfortable we're willing to be is really answering the question of what am I willing to sacrifice to maintain fellowship? You see, being a part of a church means that there are times when the only thing that I have in common with y'all is our relationship with Jesus and our our commitment to Malvern Hill. There's some of y'all that I don't share much of anything else in common with. Some of y'all enjoy playing golf. Let me tell you what you wouldn't enjoy, playing golf with me, right? You would not enjoy that. Even if you think I'm great, you would be miserable if I put you through that. Fellowship requires us putting some other things aside. Fellowship might mean that you have to share your table with a Clemson fan. Or for a Clemson fan with a Carolina fan. Or for the rest of us Americans, you might have to share your table with a Mets fan. Can you imagine how terrible that would be? Regardless of what it is, there are challenges. But we've got to be willing to pay the cost. Focus on fellowship. Number three this morning, as you consider that question of how far are you willing to go to avoid offending others, number three this morning, prioritize your platform over your privileges and preferences. Now listen, when I say platform right here, I'm not talking about your Instagram platform. Right? Or your TikTok platform top platform your celebrity platform I mean your platform as a follower of Jesus prioritize your platform over your privileges and preferences now Paul did not have to abide by any of these Jewish regulations we know that Paul knows that because this is the same Paul who's going to get into an argument with Peter and is going to tell us about it in Galatians. But before we get there, I want you to know that what Paul has done is given us an example that we can follow. He's given us an example that we can follow. We should follow it. Watch. Turn with me if you have your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Y'all are much better behaved than the first service. I just want y'all to know that. They were a little rowdy this morning. I'm not entirely sure what was happening, but you guys have been just an excellent group. And I appreciate it. Don't tell them I said that. Uh, hey, shh, shh, shh. All right. Beginning in verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 1, Paul says, Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge... Um, this knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know how he, as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. We get to verse 4, and we summarize. He says, therefore, as to the eating of food of the idols, we know that an idol has no real existence. And so in verses 4 through 6, Paul's going to explain to us how the idol has no real existence. So if you're eating food that's sacrificed to idols, it's really just kind of make-believe. It's nothing to really worry about. Don't fret over that. But then you get to verse 7. He says, however, not all possess this knowledge. But some, through the former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not commend us to God, and we are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Keep going, verse 10. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, this brother for whom Christ died. Thus, sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, Paul says, if food makes my brothers stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brothers stumble. Y'all, part of prioritizing our platform over our privileges and preferences is recognizing that just because I can do something doesn't mean I have to do something. So Paul understood, for instance, that he did not have to cling to any of these Jewish regulations. But he also understood that if he were to do some of these things, it might open the door wider for him to do ministry. It is the Fourth of July week. Okay? It's a big deal. I love the Fourth of July. Now, here's what y'all like, honest and true, after the Fourth of July, though, I'm done with summer. Like, I've had all the summer. I now just have to endure the next two months of um, debilitating heat. Uh, there was somebody, for those of you who are new to the South, we had somebody recently. We've had a cool summer. It's been, been a really cool summer. This is, if this is your first summer in South Carolina, you're fixing to experience something that's going to change your life. So welcome. We're so glad you're here. Um, but uh, um, but the, the 4th of July is great. And I, I'm so thankful for the country we get to live in. I love to celebrate the 4th. This morning, I was so disappointed. Uh, I get dressed on Sunday mornings in the dark. Just with a little flashlight so that I don't interrupt Angela too much. I get up early and, and I couldn't find my American flag socks to preach in. I was really disappointed about that. Um, but, uh, uh, but, you know, I, I am one of those l- lovers of America and Americana. Uh, we're going to blow up a bunch of stuff on Tuesday. I bought fireworks yesterday. The kids are going to have a ball. I'm going to eat ice cream. We're going to have the greatest time. And I've got lots of T-shirts with like American flags and stuff on them. And I, I usually get them for the 4th of July. I, I want to make sure that I celebrate with, with all of my heart. My favorite one has a picture of a rifle at the top. And it, and it says, I'm sorry, I can't hear you over the sound of my freedom. It's my favorite 4th of July shirt. Um... Uh, but, but, and I, 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 yesterday, <laughs> I didn't tell that because y'all are good. I'm going to tell you this story. The first service didn't get it. Uh, yesterday, I was in, in Sam's Club with a, buying my fireworks with a T-shirt. that wasn't even paying attention to what it was. And a guy just stopped. He said, I love that shirt. Where did you get it? And I looked down, and, and the shirt, again, has a picture of a rifle, and it says, but first coffee. I mean, I, does it get any better? Coffee and guns. I mean, this is America. It's great. Um, and and I enjoy those things. I get a kick out of those shirts. But you know what? I, we we have um our friends Luke and Patty Talbert and their family who are missionaries in Latvia. And uh, matter of fact, we just had a mission team that came back from there just a couple of weeks ago I did wonderful ministry. You guys are gonna get to hear some things about that in the coming weeks. But uh I was there in January teaching and training seminary students, and while I'm in Latvia, let me tell you what I don't do. I don't wear American flag t-shirts. Like I, don't, I don't wear my Go America t-shirt while I'm in Latvia. It's not because I'm any less proud to be an American. It's not because I'm any less thankful for this country that I get to live in. I love it here. But I don't wear it there because I'm going to set aside that right and that privilege for the purpose of focusing on something bigger, which is the communication of the gospel of Jesus Christ and stop being excited or proud to be an American while I'm over there. But I'm not going to wear something that's going to get in the way of me clearly communicating the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Y'all, we've got to be willing to not eat meat if it gets in the way of the gospel. That's what Paul said. Prioritize your platform over your privileges and your preferences. Choose to be relevant rather than to be right. I actually stole that from one of our church members a few weeks ago, and he told me afterward who it was. I'd forgotten where I got it from, but one of our guys gave me that. Now, I I don't mean that we should choose to be wrong. Just choose to prioritize your fellowship over proving your point. Have you ever found yourself in that spot where you know what? You you could just make sure that everybody knew that you were right. But it really didn't matter all that much. Let me tell you, let me help you. If you're a parent, you've been there. You ready? Some of y'all have been there. You 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 find yourself to be an unbelievable orator. 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 Is that a word? Orator. Orator. Pontificator if you will, when you find yourself dealing the business to one of your children. So they've committed some infraction, minor or major, and you ascend the hill and you begin to explain to them all of their faults. You carefully lay out all the reasons they shouldn't have done it. You paint for them the beautiful picture of salvation that can be found if they will only look to the good things, if they will turn from this horrible sin of leaving their socks in the middle of the floor or whatever they've done. And for 30 minutes, not 30, but for 10 minutes you pontificate on the value of hand-washing or teeth-brushing or medicine-taking or hair-washing their hair or whatever it might be. And at the 11th minute you recognize that for all of your beautiful imagery, for all of your power and passion, that you completely lost them after 30 seconds. You may have been right, but you ceased to be relevant. Y'all, we can do that as adults with the other people around us don't be the person who's so busy telling people what you're right about or what they're wrong about that you stop being relevant some of you some of you probably speak so many words that people just tune you out because they assume that they just don't matter paul talks about this in first corinthians chapter 8 knowledge puffs up but love builds up What does that mean? That means it's not enough to know everything. Sometimes love helps us to understand when we should speak the things that we know. But not only should we choose to be relevant rather than right, we also got to be willing to pay the tax that we do not owe. I, I speak about this pretty regularly. Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Jesus. Comes to the temple and as they're walking in, somebody stops Peter and says, "Does your does your master not pay the temple tax?" And Peter's like, "Oh yeah, of course he does, because it's Peter, right? Of course he's going to talk." And he says, "Jesus, what about this?" And Jesus, is like, "Well, you know, Peter, I got a question. So, who pays the tax? Does does the king's son pay the tax?" And Peter kind of looks at him, kind of cross-eyed, and he clicks. Like, "Oh, you don't actually owe this because you're the son." And then Jesus says this, he says, but to give no offense, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go down to the sea. You're going to cast a hook into the water. You're going to pull out a fish. In that fish's mouth, are going to be two coins, and those two coins are going to be sufficient to pay your tax and my tax. Jesus didn't owe that tax. He said, but so as to not give offense, we're going to pay it. Oftentimes, the cost of fellowship is paying the tax that we don't owe. Why would we be willing to do that? Because there are things that matter more. I can remember a time when I begged somebody to apologize. I just just just, just sit down and apologize. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not saying you did anything wrong. But you can still find a way to try to make things right. I didn't do anything wrong. At this point, you know, we're, we're digging our heels. If I I love this one. If I apologize when I didn't do anything wrong, then I'm a liar. What? What? Y'all, we got to be willing to pay the tax we don't owe. Okay, you didn't do anything wrong. Fine. Then look at that person and say, look, I'm, I'm just so sorry that I upset you. You know, you can apologize for upsetting somebody, without even acknowledging that you did something wrong you can just be willing to be the one that goes the extra mile that goes a little bit further i didn't mean to upset you it was never my intention and you may be shocked to discover that by paying that tax you're able to maintain and sometimes to deepen fellowship with other brothers and sisters in christ how far are you willing to go shift your perspective focus on fellowship prioritize your platform and then Finally this morning, remember the watching world. A vacation last week with my, my extended family. So my brothers, my parents, and I, big big house together. We had a good time. By the way, if you ever want a vacation with your extended family, the, the key is to get a house big enough so that everybody can run to their own corners, right? If there's room, don't, don't do it and share two bathrooms. That's nothing but a recipe for disaster. But, um, but we're this big house in a, a beach in North Carolina we'd never been a few hours away and, and uh, my parents went to the grocery store and they came back and told us they ran into somebody they knew and I said how in the world you know what how, how does that even happen you know, I want to remind you that the world is watching and they know who you are they know who you are they know your reputation they know you're a member of Malvern Hill Baptist Church they know you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ And they're watching it, and they're judging Jesus based on your actions and your lifestyle. Listen, you can win the battle and still lose the war. I share this a lot in marriage counseling. Because when we talk about married couples, the goal, the war, if you will, the goal is to find yourself married to the same person 50 or 60 years later look at him and say, man, we made it. We made it. How do you get there? A lot of times you get there by, by being willing to concede some battles along the way. A lot of the times you get there because you're willing to just give up a battle or two along the way because there's a greater goal in mind. I was reading some comments from President Zelensky of Ukraine I think it was last night He said we could be advancing faster But to advance faster would cost more lives than we're willing to give You understand? There are battles that can be won but there's a cost And sometimes the cost of of victory in the battle Could actually be the cost of victory in war and when we consider our mission, our gospel mission, listen, there are arguments that you can wage. You can pick a fight about a lot of things that this book talks about. You can choose to argue about Romans 9 or 10 or 11. You can choose to argue about table fellowship. You can choose to argue about food rules. You can choose to argue about alcohol. You can choose to argue about all kinds of things. But do you understand that oftentimes by picking that battle, you may win it and lose the war. And, And folks, I want you to know, a lot of times the things that we get so passionate about, they're really, really not... Biblical rights or biblical privileges—they're just personal preference. I can remember a time—I can remember a time—because I'm just barely old enough when I would have been lambasted for preaching without a tie. That somehow or other I would have been ungodly. Well, folks, we all recognize that that's just a preference. It's just pr- pr- preference. There's there's nothing biblical about that. It's okay. I I like to wear a tie. Pastor Buster's wearing a tie this morning. Celebrate it. You know? But if I don't have a jacket or a tie on this morning, that's just a personal preference. Folks, we've got to be willing to focus on something that's far larger than winning our battles. Because there's a spiritual war that rages for the souls of men, women, boys, and girls. Remember the watching world. Man, we can get so caught up in our fights in our battles that we lose the war for for, not with, for the world because all they saw was the fight the apostle Paul was concerned not only with the perspective that Jewish Christians would have of him, he also knew that those Jews who did not yet believe in Jesus would see him walk into that temple and honor their traditions, and in so doing, he was earning the right to be heard. So I ask you this morning, how far will you go? How far are you willing to go to avoid offending others? We live in an age that is so divided and angry. And there's this thought that if we give an inch that the world's going to take a mile and so we must stand our ground just angrily. Who cares who we offend? Folks, let me tell you something. If you're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ faithfully, you've already offended most of the world. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is not as friendly and fun as we sort of tend to make it out in the church. See, we focus on the love of Jesus that's wrapped up in the gospel, and it's true. But don't miss this part. The gospel of Jesus also claims to be an exclusive gospel, an exclusive salvation. And when I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm claiming that everybody else is wrong and that they are damned for their sins and that they desperately need Jesus, and He is the only way. You see, folks, our message is offensive enough without us choosing to offend everybody with every other aspect of our lives. So I ask you this morning, how far are you willing to go to avoid offending others? As our musicians come, it may be that some of you say, Craig, I've really just taken joy in the offense I can give to others. And today I just need to repent of that. Some of you, some of you need to recognize that you've been focused on you rather than we. For some of you, that, that focus has been an unwillingness to sacrifice for the cause of Christ. An unwillingness to sacrifice in your ties, or an un- unwillingness to sacrifice in your comfort. And as a result, you're not willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel. How far are you willing to go? How mission-focused are you willing to be? And then, of course, there's some of you here today that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, the reality is that you know the offense of the gospel and it has offended you deeply because you've decided that you would not give your life to Christ. And perhaps today can be the day that changes everything. Today can be the day of salvation when you would say, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I'd love the opportunity to introduce you to Christ this morning. However it is that the Lord is at work in your life, as we sing this morning, I pray that you would respond. Let's pray together. Father God in heaven, we love you and thank you for this day. Thank you for this message and the opportunity we have to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for Jesus who paid the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf. Pray you be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.